Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Here you go. Here you go. Sibling is the word of the day for Wednesday, August 4th. 2021 sibling is uh your sister your brother can be a half sister a half brother a stepsister stepbrother some people don't know the difference between half and step a half sibling is when you share a parent not two a step sibling is when you don't share any parents but you live in the same household like the brady bunch greg and jan were step siblings i have two half sisters and a half brother from various different divorces and marriages and kids with whom I share a parent. I have one sister who I share two parents with three years older than I am. Approximately three years ago, she called me to tell me that she had cancer. And uh, that's something that's a call that many people have gotten. No one wants to get. You don't really know what it means, except that it's not going to happen in our family. Nothing bad's going to happen. Yesterday, my sister passed away. I had a chance to say goodbye over the period of weeks and, uh, and months, sort of a little bit <clears throat> like Fletch, where you didn't know when the end was, but you knew it was coming, but then the end came and it was quite sudden just the very end. She had been obviously quite sick these last week or so. So the last time I was able to go see her was a few days ago. And I thanked her for being a great big sister. And I thanked her for always helping me. And the way my sister helped me, the way siblings help each other is that they have a history that no one else has. And that's been the hardest part for me yesterday is that I had this realization that the person who knows everything about me, it's not your parents, it's not your spouse, it's not your kids. It really is your sibling who you grow up with and uh, other siblings I have who I'm close to are younger than I. And uh, significantly, you know, 10 years or more. But she and I, my sister and I were together in, in grade school and high school, etc. And there's just a relationship there that is not like any other relationship. There is a closeness that even if you don't talk about it, it's there because of shared experiences. I likened it to her knowing my provenance. She knew everything about me, not president of Marlins, not someone on social media, not nothing personal, not someone who did things personally that maybe she wouldn't have done. She was one, one marriage her whole life and three great kids. And her husband and I ran around the world together as part of triple seven, seven marathons, seven days, seven continents. But I wanted to just talk a little bit to you about a struggle that I'm having right now. We talk about all the struggles that people are having 
and how no one wants to talk about it. No one's willing to talk about it. And I can't stand that. If you're not willing to talk about it, then people can't feel anything but alone. And the whole purpose is not to feel alone. And I just happen to feel alone right now. And the reason I feel alone is that while I talked to her every day through her illness and would have moved mountains and would have switched places with her, which is what everyone says, why did it have to be you when it could have been me? And that's something that I think about because she was far bigger glue in the family than I am. I'm far too aloof. I'm far too removed. I'm far too self-involved to be the center of a family. I only think I'm the center of everything else, but she was the center in terms of coordinating, not just logistics, because I can do logistics because there aren't emotions involved, but she had a very high emotional intelligence that I don't have that I'm trying to get more of as I get older. And it's super hard, by the way. And I would go to her and we would talk about things that I really wouldn't talk about with anyone else. And I'm not talking about sharing my intimate secrets. I'm talking about things that we needed to do as a family. And I was speaking to the rabbi yesterday about things that had to happen for the funeral, which is happening tomorrow. And uh, I said to him on the phone call, I said, I let me get back to you. I need to ask Nancy. I actually said that. And my sister, I can't ask her. She's passed away. And we all have this happen. We all ha lose parents and, and siblings and God forbid children. Death is something that is everyone knows is there. You can't do anything about it. And we always do the same thing. Like when we're sick, we say, I will never take health for granted again. And then we get healthy and then we start taking it for granted again. Uh, we, we, everyone reaches out and says, let me know if I can do anything. That's a very popular thing when someone dies. Can I do anything? And then you feel as though you have to say no, but thank you, or I'll let you know when you don't even know what you need, maybe some food, but you don't need food. You can get food. But what you really need during the course of life is the feeling that you're not alone. And siblings can provide that in a way that other people can't. And I know so many instances of siblings who don't get along, siblings who don't talk, siblings who don't spend time together. And I don't understand how that happens. And my family, like others, has family dynamics that are significant and deep and long lasting and decades old. But one thing my sister was able to do while she was alive and even while she was sick was to navigate those and to try to make people understand the insanity of the permanence of an emotional hurt, the permanence of a standing on ceremony for not talking to someone or being upset or having a fight. She never was part of that. I don't fight with people because I don't have the emotional ability. I don't have the emotional investment, but that comes at a cost of closeness. Nancy was able to be close with people and not fight with them. Our family's had a tough year with the loss of our dad and now our sister. And I want to say to her, because she listened to the show much more after she got sick than before, because she's been sick the entire course of Nothing Personal. And she always said that it made her feel like we were having a conversation. And that's the interesting thing about Nothing Personal is sometimes people think I'm talking directly to them. And the irony is I'm talking to a camera alone, always alone. <laughs> There's no studio audience. There's no interaction. 
since COVID, I don't know how people respond other than with numbers that Coca gives me. And she would always call after listening to a show and talk about things and like to hear my voice and what I was talking about in different positions I was taking. She was incredibly charitable and, and she put her time where her mouth was. The president of her synagogue involved in raising money for lung cancer and even before that involved in so many things that helped make a difference because she was aware always of the privilege aware of ironically that you could call us privileged i'm not sure it's a privilege to pass away at 56 but it certainly does happen but she was aware of all those things and what she did with it is made the world better her legacy will last i promise you that it will live on through her kids and i'm thankful i'm incredibly sad because as alone as i feel in general which is an occupational hazard when you have the life that i have and i don't mean the privilege part i mean the inability to connect on an emotional level uh this one hurts so i uh i will miss you nancy i promise you that we'll be right back Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you. Thank you for indulging me on a day that I didn't think that I would do a show, but I try to come to you every day for 45 minutes because I don't take your time for granted. And I will put in the work necessary to help educate myself, Coca, and all of you so you can make decisions on issues that are happening, give you my perspective from having been there and done it in so many ways over so many years. A lot of news is coming out. I want to start with football, if that's okay. Uh, big news out of Giants camp, and I am a big New York Giants fan. You know where I am in the pantheon of my favorite sports moments with the Knicks beating Indiana in 1994 to go to the finals is my number one sports moment of all time. The Giants winning the Super Bowl over the Buffalo Bills is my number two greatest sports moment. So I continue to follow the Giants. Their coach, Joe Judge, lost his mind. There was a brawl in camp. And what struck me about it is that there are certain coaches who like it. There are certain coaches who don't. And yesterday, we got an example of both sides of the equation. And I want to tell you what we would tell our players during spring training and what I believe you should tell your players about training camp, brawling, and fighting. Joe Judge wanted none of it. His quarterback, Daniel Jones, apparently was on the bottom of a scrum. And Joe Judge said, you're all doing running. You're all doing line sprints. That, that's me evolving, by the way, Coca. Since in my day, they were not called line sprints, but that's what they're called now, I guess. And the reason why Joe Judge said it is, I want you running because I want you understanding that type of intensity. Save it for the game. 
that type of brawling, you don't do it where you have a risk of hurting your quarterback or anybody else. That is the exact reason I did not want any sort of brawling in the clubhouse because I understand that there is fighting that goes on. I understand that all players do not get along in our clubhouse. There was never a time when over 18 out of the 25 guys got along. It just doesn't work that way in any clubhouse. Sometimes you'll have a GM tell you we've got the closest clubhouse of all time, or a player will say, these are all my guys. I do it for them. They're all full of it. Players do it for themselves. Owners do it for themselves. Executives do it for themselves. When you can be around people you like to be around, you do it and you enjoy it because you're stuck being around them. It's the same way that you're working with people who you may hang out with and have a drink with after. But once you stop working there, you'll never talk to those people again. As much as you enjoyed that moment in time, it was a moment in time. A clubhouse is the same thing. When a player gets traded or signed to another team or released they don't stay in touch with 24 guys. If you ask a player right now, to be honest, they couldn't name the tw- every, not just the 24, because there's more than 24 who play on a team in a particular year. They could not name every one of their teammates. And when you're together all the time, baseball especially, which is every day, unlike football where there are some off days, there are no off days in baseball. Over 185 days, you play 162 games. And then of those 20 travel days, 20 off days, you're traveling several of those days. It is constant togetherness. So I've seen arguments. I've seen pushing. I've seen shoving. I've seen actual fighting. And my biggest problem with it is please do not get injured. If you want to fight and hate each other, I'm good. But these are large men. I don't want you to do anything that could cause our team a problem. Forget the fact that I don't want to put you on the disabled list and have to pay someone to play in your place. Forget the fact that I don't want you to ruin your career, both for you and for us as a team. But I want people to learn that physicality is not a way to manifest emotional hurt. But that is what people do often. They feel hurt, they feel upset, and then they start hitting. So Joe Judge wouldn't have it. But guess who would? Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell is the new coach of the Detroit Lions. And on the same day that the Giants were brawling, literally the same day, Dan Campbell came out and had a quote that I loved. He said, in the first day with pads, I want to see these guys compete. I want to see these guys get to the point where it is almost an all out brawl, but there isn't one. If you don't push it almost to that point, you really won't get where you need to get to, in my opinion, in this league to be competitive at the very highest level. This is the same Dan Campbell hired by the Lions who in his opening press conference talked about breaking kneecaps. I want to see broken kneecaps. When our guys got hit, I want to hit the other guys more. You're going to hit my knee. I'm going to hit both your knees. You're going to hit both our knees. We're going to hit both your knees plus your solar plexus. I don't think that's part of a body coca, is it? A solar plex? I don't know why that's in my head. It may be. I got hit in the jimmy. How about just the jimmy? So Dan Campbell is absolutely wanting his players to have that level of intensity. The problem that Dan Campbell doesn't realize is that when you want that level of intensity, by definition, that's when the brawls happen. And the players can't draw the line that you're saying you can draw from 
intensity to brawl. It goes from intensity to brawl without stopping, without passing go, without collecting $200. So Dan Campbell is hoping that he can walk that line, which even Johnny Cash could not do. Joe Judge is saying, I know I can't have my players walk that line. Therefore, save it. Save it for the game. Keep that intensity for your opponents. Meanwhile, a third team, which would now make 10% of the NFL, the Panthers, they had a defensive back who, in a practice, put a hit on a wide receiver. The wide receiver got hurt. There was a whole brouhaha. And their coach said, I don't want anyone to get hurt. I recognize the work that guys put in, Matt Rule said, how important this time is for them because they're trying to make a team. I get it. But as a man and as a person, I don't want to see anyone laying there in pain. Now, that is the way I would have my coach respond. I want you to be intense. I want you to compete for a job, but I want you to remember this is exhibition. We don't go headhunting in exhibition games. We don't go headhunting when we are doing batting practice against our own players. We are working on command. We're working on pitches. We're working on approach. We are working on getting ready for a season. And that's what NFL training camp needs to be. And that's it. Working on getting ready for a season. You don't need the level of Dan Campbell-like intensity to get ready. I understand what he's trying to do. I actually really do. He's trying to take a team, the Lions, who have just been absolute horse crap, and he's trying to make them good. Not going to happen. All right, Coca, we had a signing in the NBA. I talked to NBA yesterday. For some reason, I couldn't tell Coca whether people enjoyed that episode, but I was blown away by the money that was being spent. And then we had a contract signed yesterday. I, I, I fell off my chair when I saw it in the middle of the night. So you want to talk to Samson for all the new nothing personal listeners out there. Thank you for listening, following, rating, reviewing. It's about uh, a movie half-baked where everyone wants to talk to Samson. So get into my Twitter at David P. S-A-M-S-O-N and ask me a question. Question. Hello. Hi. Steph Curry at 33. Would you have extended him the way the Golden State Warriors just did? Simple question on a topic I really wanted to cover. Steph Curry, best shooting guard in the history of the NBA. Steph Curry, who just won the scoring title last year. Steph Curry, whose Golden State Warriors won three titles. They very likely could have won more, but I think their total is three, Matt. Is that correct? Steph Curry, 33 years old, had a year left on his contract. And there was some concern. We can't let him be a free agent. So we're going to sign him now. So they approached Steph Curry and they said, hey, how about if we just give you a four-year extension at the maximum we can give you? And Steph Curry said, really? You're going to give me another $215 million over four years? Hold on. That's over $50 million a year? Hell yeah, I'll sign that. You're telling me that you'll pay me $59 million when I'm 37 years old? And you're telling me that we haven't won a title since 18, which was the second of a back-to-back, but you're willing to extend me up until 2026? Hold on, let me get this straight. Let me, I, no, I don't need to call my agent at all, but let me just make sure I understand, Joe, what you're talking about. Joe is the owner of the Warriors. You're going to give me 215 more million. Okay. Yes, I'm going to do that. 
Joe, what, what are you thinking exactly? Well, Steph, I just want you to know that I think it is perfectly reasonable that in 2023 or 24, that I'm going to be paying you, Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, 121 million out of the 140 or 150 million that we can have on the team. I think that's right because you guys are good. You were so good. You won titles in 17 and 18. Holy crap, Joe owner of the Golden State Warriors, you're falling prey to the oldest one in the book, but it's so hard that I can't blame you. You are trying to recapture glory days, Bruce Springsteen. You are trying to get back to when you were the dominant team in the league and you simply are not and won't be that. There are too many better young players now. The Warriors had their time of greatness and it was one of the great success stories. Really, I could argue that in the 2010s, they were the best team, better than even the San Francisco Giants, who won three World Series in that time frame. The Golden State Warriors were a juggernaut when you had Clay and Draymond, and then you had Durant. I mean, we're talking about some of the best teams ever. It's hard to pit teams against each other in different eras. They're not the Bulls, but to me, they were as good as the Showtime Lakers and the great Celtics teams of the 80s. But that's it. That time's gone. Draymond Green is not a player, <clears throat> in my opinion, who is part of a core three, part of a big three. You don't know what you're going to get out of Clay Thompson, but you signed him to that extension. He hasn't played a game in two years. He hasn't played one game with his extension that you gave him. But it's so hard for owners to move on from players who give them championships. Look what the Washington Nationals did with Max Scherzer. Look what the Cubs did with Baez and Brian and Rizzo. They got crushed to do it to move on from guys who helped them win the World Series, but it was the absolute right move. Am I saying that they should move on from Steph Curry? No, he is still one of the top players in the league. What I am saying is that when you sign a player prematurely to an extension, you have a bigger risk of being that player, having him be Cabrera, where that player in, in baseball with the Tigers is an albatross around the neck of the salary of the team than you do of that player leading you to a World Series victory. That's just a fact. The economics of this deal will be crushing, debilitating to the Golden State Warriors. It wasn't necessary. They weren't the only team active yesterday. LeBron James, no, he didn't sign an extension. He already did that. LeBron James is collecting friends. He's at that point in his career. He's won enough titles. He wants to win more. He's only got four. He wants six. I know that for sure. He certainly wants to catch Kobe with five, but he really wants Jordan with six. So they traded for Russ Westbrook, and they've got the big three of Davis, Westbrook, and James. And I told you that's not going to be good enough. But yesterday, they made the difference-making move. LeBron called up his friend Carmelo because LeBron is making the moves now. He's the GM of the Lakers, and you know how well that works out for teams. And they signed Carmelo Anthony to a one-year deal. Coco was so happy. He loves Anthony. He's a definite Hall of Famer. Definite. But he's not a help anymore. And I just wish that LeBron James would acknowledge what's happening. He wanted people to go out with on the road. He wanted people around during practice that he could have fun with. He wanted his friend Carmelo Anthony with him. And so the Lakers said, we're going to give you that friend. We will grant you that wish. Aladdin, you can't wish for infinite wishes, but you can definitely wish for Carmelo. It's reasonable. It's a one-year deal. Doesn't really mean a lot. Do you think Carmelo Anthony and Russ Westbrook are going to win their first ring with LeBron James winning his fifth? Do you think there's one chance of that happening? 
Neither do I. When we come back, we are going to review a movie that one of you suggested that I watch, and I did. And I'm really, really happy that I did. We will be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you for being with me today. I want to talk about a review that... Uh, movie. The way I watch movies, I still watch a movie every day, no matter how crappy my day is, no matter what the news of the day is, I will find a time, no matter how exhausted I am. I'll either watch a show, a series, a movie, something, because I enjoy seeing the content that's out there. And I enjoy the suggestions that you give me because you keep giving me great suggestions. I keep a long list on my phone and it is getting too long. I don't know how I'll get to everything, but I watched Woodstock 99. Woodstock 99 is the first foray into producing for The Ringer, where Bill Simmons started his own company. He then sold a bit of it out, as you know, but he gets to produce things because that's what he does. And he produced a documentary. And I, uh, I have a thing. I have a lot of things, as you know. One of my things is I don't read about a movie before I watch it. I don't want to read a review. I don't want to know if it's got a people in it who I want to watch or it's something that's suggested to me, I'm putting it on. So I thought Woodstock 99 was about Woodstock in 1969 and that they're looking back on it from a perspective of 1999. I don't know why I thought that, but that was in my head. It turns out Woodstock 99 is about a music festival that happened in 1999. That's the year that I was helping my stepfather buy the expos, not with money, but with time and acumen and uh, a false sense of knowing everything about everything. But that deal did get done, much to the chagrin of people in Montreal, I guess. Although really, without us, that team, there was no one else, literally no one else who wanted to buy the expos at that time. But in 99, I just wasn't focused. Apparently, there was this huge music festival in New York with the likes of Limp Biscuit and Metallica, who were not my jam. Uh, Alanis Morissette, Jewel, not my jam. But I didn't even know what was going on. So apparently, it was a complete fire festival before there was a fire festival. They had issues with um, rioting. They had issues with food and water and filth and sewage. And it was a whole thing. And I had no idea. And it was put on by the same people who put on Woodstock 69. And apparently there was a Woodstock 94. Who knew? But this documentary is about what happened in 1999 over a three-day festival. And I would be uh, remiss if I didn't tell you to watch it. While I'm not necessarily promoting The Ringer, though I will if the price is right. I'm definitely promoting watching this documentary. So thank you to whoever suggested it. Woodstock 99. 
Okay, the NCAA, do you remember the men's basketball tournament in March, March Madness? That's the tournament where CBS goes crazy. It's wall-to-wall coverage. There's games on, everything at once. On every channel, there's like a red zone channel where you can watch 10 games at once, and people are filling out bracket pools, and they're gambling and betting, and it's a total free-for-all. It's called March Madness. It's totally mad. Well, this March Madness, during the course of uh, this past year, this COVID year, this comes a year after it didn't happen and it was canceled. And remember, the NCA took that huge, huge hit. They lost a ton of money because basically CBS bankrolls all of these schools uh, through funding uh, the March Madness tournament. So this year, there was a huge story. And we may have touched on it on a previous Nothing Personal, but I can't remember what we touched on yesterday. There was a huge story about the women's final four and the working conditions of the women, the weight room of the women. Remember, they showed a picture of the women's weight room and it was like two dumbbells and one rowing machine and one bar. And then they showed the men's NCAA men's weight room. And it was this gorgeous place where you could eat off the floor with top of the flight machines. And the NCAA got embarrassed and people volunteered to deliver and pay for a gender equal weight room. The food, the gift bags. I've got about 10 frogs in my throat. There was a whole thing about gender equality. And if you know anything from listening to Nothing Personal, what do you do when you're an organization that gets caught being a master of your own domain? a master of your own inequality. What's, what do you do? Say it with me. Come on, you know. You commission a study. You hire an independent firm to do a report and then you act on what the report says. That is the go-to for every organization and every owner. There's sexual harassment in our organization. Oh my God, I had no idea. We are hiring someone to run diversity, equity, and inclusion, and we're going to hire someone independent to give a report. Horse hockey. There is nothing independent about any of these reports. You know that. Oh, sorry. The Washington football skins did an independent report, which said Dan Snyder should give the team over to Tanya. Didn't say that. The NFL took over that report. You remember the whole story. Go back to previous Nothing Personal episodes. The NCAA had a report commissioned. They needed a report to deal with gender inequality. Why do you need a report to deal with gender inequality? I'm just asking, am I missing something? You get this, you get that. We give you shrimp a la lobster and you get shrimp a la lobster. You want some chicken milanese? then you get it also. You've got an 80 by 80 weight room with towels and cold water and people to massage your neck when you're done. I have an idea. So do the women. You don't need a study to do gender equality. You need a desire. A desire. The NCAA has no interest in gender equality. I may have said gender inequality this entire time, by the way. I'm talking about gender equality. Hello, Coca. Do we have to do that entire segment again? Four, six, nine. Hi, I'm not doing it again. 
you don't need a study for gender equality. But there was one and it got released yesterday. The NCAA had a report done and the findings were brilliant. Listen to this main finding. It's pretty good. Folks, we have done an investigation. Here's our report. It turns out that basketball churns out about a billion dollars of revenue. 900 million of that billion is for the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Folks, that's 90% of the revenue. Our report finds that the women are not paid enough for their the rights to their final four. We believe that the deal that ESPN has is undervalued. And we believe the NCAA should negotiate a better deal with ESPN. It can't be true. It can't be true. I just want to give it to you because you may think that it's, I, here it is, ready? With respect to women's basketball, the NCAA has not lived up to its stated commitment to diversity, inclusion, and gender equity among its student athletes, coaches, and administrators, the report found. The report criticized the NCAA for failing to recognize or prepare for the growth and value and the revenue that could be generated by the women's tournament. And by the way, we think you should hold the women's final four at the same time and place as the men's final four because it will give them a bunch of attention. That would be equitable. Can you imagine gender equity? Meaning that you play at the same time in the same venue? That is the biggest crock of an excuse I've ever heard in my career. I don't want to do hyperbole. It's got to be in the top 10, though. We know how to make it equal. Just do the final four, both final four, same place, same time. That's not what the women want. That's not what the men want. That's not what the NCAA is going to do. It has nothing to do with why there is gender inequality. It is all because of money. And the report, not one place. All they said was that right now that they get $34 million, $34 million for the women, for the women, and they should be getting about 81. And they're going to be getting that when they can renegotiate in about three, four years. And they've got to be ready to put that money to work for gender equality. The men are going to be making a billion dollars. The women are going to be making a hundred million dollars. If you're using money as your barometer, which we do here on Nothing Personal, then the men are going to get 90% of the benefits of the swag of the extras of the sponsorship activation, and the women are going to get 10%. I'm not against that. Please don't at me, but understand what I am saying to you, and then you make your decision. Gender equality for me when it comes to NCAA sports is based on what you are doing for the student athletes. It will never be equal in terms of NIL, in terms of pay, in terms of the amount of revenue. Why does CBS pay 900 million versus 30 million for ESPN? Because they get to make money on that deal through sponsorship, through all of the other ancillary programming, through the hours of programming, because that's what you all watch. How many of you watch the men's tournament, but not the women's tournament? 
90% of you, that's why the money goes 90% to the boys, the men, and 10% to the women. But the gender equality that I'm talking about and that the women we're talking about has nothing to do with that because it doesn't cost a thing to give them the same swag bags, the same courtesies, the same comforts, the same ways of travel, all of those modes It's the same reason why the Yankees and the Marlins, high revenue, low revenue, the rules apply and what we have to do for the players equally under the collective bargaining agreement. There is no difference between when you are having 5,000 people at your stadium or 50,000 people at your stadium. The fans have to be treated the same. The players have to be treated the same at the major league level under the agreement. What the women are saying is treat us the same. It doesn't mean that the women have a right by any stretch. No one has a right just because you are a certain sex or gender to all of a sudden make a certain amount of money. You have to earn that. You have to have people who want to pay for your services. You know what I mean? That is capitalism, not at its core, but certainly a tentacle of it. There's a reason why movie stars get paid $20 million and teachers don't because most people don't pay to watch teachers teach, but a lot of people watch movie stars to be in movies. I found this NCA report to be so upsetting to me, I can't even tell you. The Women's Basketball Coaches Association came out with a statement after this report and said, we urge the NCAA to revisit with its media partners all broadcast rights agreements that include women's basketball, specifically its contract with ESPN as soon as possible to ensure the NCAA, the conferences, and the member institutions are being fairly compensated for the product our sport puts on the floor. This is from the Women's Basketball Coaches Association Executive Director. You are missing the point here and her name is Danielle, you've missed it. You think that ESPN is going to renegotiate in the middle of a deal because there is gender inequality based on the weight rooms and all other such things? That's an NCAA issue, not an ESPN issue, not a CBS issue. You think the calculus that ESPN does when they're deciding what the rights are going to be paid has anything to do with the swag or the weight room or anything else? Absolutely not. It has to do with eyeballs and advertising revenue and subscription revenue. Subscription levels, reach, desire. And to urge the NCAA, the result of this report is as a coach, a women's basketball coaches association, you're urging the NCAA to revisit an agreement. That's the best you can come up with. Well, here's a spoiler alert. ESPN is not going to renegotiate their deal in the middle of a deal, nor should they, nor would they. There is no reason to. You don't need that renegotiation to ensure that there's equality. Now, what they're pointing out is, let's make sure that we're getting the amount of money that we should get the maximum amount. Really, thank you for that great epiphany. That's like an agent for a player coming out and saying, it is my job and I want to make sure after studying it, Here is my report. I want to make sure that agents are trying to get the most money they can for players. Thank you. That is hugely helpful and additive that you are telling us that we should get as much money as we possibly can for our broadcast rights. That's big. Huge. Where does this end with the NCAA tournament? I'll tell you where it ends. 
I guarantee that the resources allocated by the NCAA in places where it really is not hugely about money are going to be equal going forward. When it comes down to broadcast decisions and other perks and other things that impact the economics of the NCAA, you always take care of your superstars first. And the NCAA men are the superstars. And that's just the way it is for now. Maybe not forever, but for now. Just take a look at that NCAA report. You may enjoy it. Who watched the game? I hope you did. Did you watch the Braves beat the Cardinals? We had it. John Lester, for all of you Cubs fans pining for John Lester and the days of old. It was five years ago, folks. John Lester is not good anymore. It doesn't mean he wasn't great. He was unbelievable. You didn't want to face him. Now, I may be as good as John Lester. The Braves crushed him. We're 101 and 87. Last night was the first game of the Astros Dodgers series. The Astros Dodgers, first time since, uh, I don't think it's the first time since they played in the World Series. It certainly is the first time this season. It's a quick two-game series. It actually may be their first time, as a matter of fact. It is the first time in Dodger Stadium with fans. Thank you, Coca. The fans got quite unruly. They were hanging garbage cans and doing all the things that fans are doing when the Astros come to town. You remember the Astros and the garbage can scandal of a few years ago? Well, we thought fans may forget. Fans haven't. Dusty Baker, the manager of the Astros, has said a few things about this. He has now stayed quiet, which it would have been my advice as president. Just be quiet, manage the game, and our best revenge is winning. Let's win a World Series. And the Astros have a team that could win a World Series. No doubt about that. They beat the Dodgers last night. The Dodgers got shut out by the Houston Astros. But I've got a pick for you for today that is not going to be a popular pick, but it's a tremendous underdog. I don't think Max Scherzer wins his debut. They're favored two to one. Max Scherzer, the former Nats pitcher, Hall of Famer, Cy Young winner. He is going to pitch for the Dodgers in his first game. He's not the type who will feel pressure. He's been on the big stage. I think people are underestimating how good the Astros are. You bring in Trey Turner, you bring in Albert Pujols, who's obviously not even good for a win above replacement at all. You have Scherzer, Bueller. You feel like your team isn't going to lose. Well, I'm going the Astros for the sweep tonight. I think that that is great value. I don't think that's who Scherzer wants to face on his first game as a Dodger in Dodger Stadium. The Astros lineup is disciplined. They are very tough. The pitching staff, they are deep. The Astros are deep, like Rays type deep. It's going to be interesting, but that's the pick. Wait to see. I want to follow up. A wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. And when it does, we'll revisit it. And when it doesn't, we'll revisit it. We do keep track. More of you have been asking for like an update on where we are with wait to sees and movies and words of the day. Uh, I think someone is working on an app for that. Uh, and it's not someone at CBS because we're still waiting for CBS to come out with merchandise for nothing personal. But again, I think I have a better chance of dunking a basketball in a regulation hoop without a trampoline before there's nothing personal merchandise available for CBS. That said, I'm accountable for my wait to sees and I catch up with you. I have a wait to see on Marcelo Zuna and it's a pretty old wait to see. Uh, it's that he is going to 
be suspended for at least 81 games. You may recall that he was charged with a felony for choking his wife in front of a cop, no less. And I thought that would be a major problem for Marcelo Zuna. It turns out it still could be a major problem, but it's not going to be a felony problem. The, the district attorney in, I don't know what county, it's a county in, in Atlanta where this happened. It could be Fulton County, but I'm not positive. They have, not, they have decided not to charge Marcelo Zuna with any felonies. They're going to proceed with two misdemeanor counts against Marcelo Zuna. What that means <clears throat> is that at first he was in danger of up to 20 years in prison. And this is difficult to talk about. I know Marcel so well, having been with him for so many years. I'm so angry with him for what he did for the last time. It won't be the last time. Don't touch women. Just don't hit them. Don't touch them when they don't want to be touched. Don't hit them ever, even if they want to be hit. Marcelo Zuna is going to be charged with two misdemeanors. He's going to appear in court. Major League Baseball has not come out with its punishment yet. They are not done investigating, but they will finish that investigation. They will investigate him. They will also wait to see what happens with the misdemeanor charges, just like they're continuing with Trevor Bauer and waiting for him to see whether or not he'll be charged in Pasadena before they put out their punishment because MLB is going to punish Ozuna. I maintain they're going to punish him for more than 81 games, but I just wanted to give you that update. What you're reading about him as a fan of the Braves. Meanwhile, the Braves are doing fine. They're going to catch the Mets. Meanwhile, they have Marcelo Zuna on the disabled list for dislocated fingers since May 26th. You don't need to be on the disabled list for two months with dislocated fingers. That is where they're parking him and they are not bringing him off. Is that against the rule? You are supposed to not be allowed to keep a player on the injured list if he is no longer injured. That player would have the right to make a stink. Marcelo Zuna is fine because he knows that He's getting paid as he just signed a big contract with the Braves. And he knows that being on the IL is the best place he's going to be for the rest of this season. The wait to see for today goes back to where we were with the Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell, their head coach, the guy with the kneecaps, the guy who's a little bit over the top, a little bit cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, in my opinion. He is in his first year. He is just starting his contract. The Lions have had issues. Remember, they hired Matt Patricia from the Patriots. He was going to get them out of their Matt Millen-based malaise. Now Dan Campbell is the latest savior. Well, I've got news for you. Dan Campbell does not have a chance to last through his six years of being a Detroit Lions coach. We were going to keep monitoring this way to see, but I will give you a reevaluation. And I will do a subset of this way to see he won't last half that long. He will not make it through three years into his fourth year out of his six year deal, because this type of intensity, while it sounds super good when you've come off being a calm coach and then you go to an intense coach, then you go back to a calm coach. I've done it all with managers. This type of shtick that Dan Campbell has, it's not going to last. I'm going to close up the show and I want to uh, tell you again, I appreciate you listening to nothing personal, giving me 45 minutes of your time. Today was a, uh, a hard show to do, but I'm here for you the way I know that you're all here for me. While I do feel more alone than usual, I will miss my sister. I love you, Nancy. 
And I hope that now finally you can rest in peace. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.